0: Some of us, different pers- personality, different, different nationality, maybe some came from different denomination, I don't know, but we're all very different. How many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, if you're charismatic, only one, because your hands are already in the air. <laughs> and if you're Pentecostal, ten, one to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. And if you're Roman Catholic, none, because it's candles only. And if you're Baptist, at least 15, one to change the light bulb and three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad. (laughs) If you're Episcopalian, that's Anglican, it takes eight to change a light bulb, one to call the electrician, and seven to say how much they like the old one better. If you're Lutheran, it takes none because Lutherans don't believe in change. (laughs) That's not true, is it? No, no. And If you're Amish, you got to change the question. It's what is a light bulb? <laughs> so yeah, we're all different, and so God, God's got a sense of humor because uh, the church is made up of a bunch of different kind of people, and He He calls us to all come together and to be one big happy family. And uh, you and I know the reality that all we're not always we're not always a big happy family. In fact, sometimes uh, in our own little our own family. Our own family of two or three or four, we were not happy. We are all different. What is God's intention in all this? What's he trying to do? He's trying to change us. He's trying to make us like his son, Jesus. Look at this verse says here. I'd like you to read it with me. Can you see it all right? Let's read it together. If you can, just pretend. (laughs) It'll make me feel better. (laughs) Uh, let's, uh, for those of you who can, who can read uh, or, who can, or who can see, uh, uh, and those of you who are going to just pretend, here we go, ready? Uh, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son. So folks, I want you to recognize something from the very beginning. God's, God's plan for your life and for mine is that we would become like Jesus. And the way that he does that, the way that he makes us like Jesus, is that he puts us in a family. We call it the family of God or call it the church, call it whatever you want. But this is the place, folks, where you're going to grow. And I've heard people say, you know, I don't need to go to church. I'm, I'm more mature than, than than the average person that goes to church. I, I watch seven programs on Sunday morning. I watch Robert Schuller. Is he still on the air? He's having some trouble there with his son, isn't he? Uh, I watch... Uh, <laughs> I watch, I watch all kinds of TV programs and I listen to, I've got my Bible and I, my, I've, I've got my, my commentaries and my Greek texts and and I, I, I know Christianity like no one else. Well, let me tell you something, folks. What makes you mature is not how much you know here, but whether or not you can actually live out the Christian life. Whether or not you can practice Christianity, even as Jesus lived on this earth. And so God's plan for you and for me is to become like Jesus. And the Bible's clear. You and I cannot grow spiritually on our own. God's plan is for you and I to be in a church, in a family, in a small group, where we can begin to grow. And you have other people there to help you grow. That's God's plan. In fact, let's look at that, uh, next verse, Scotty. This is the memory verse for today. Ready? Let's all, let's, let's memorize the memory verse for today. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Encourage each other and build each other up. Wasn't that easy? Let's try one more time. Encourage each other and build each other up. Now close your eyes and say it. Encourage each other and build each other up. 1 Thessalonians 511. You, you memorize the verse for the, for the day. So here's the thing. Here's how you're going to become like Jesus. You're going to become like Jesus by putting yourself in a position where you are encouraging and building others up and where you are encouraged and built up. That's God's plan. That's how you grow. When you encourage and build others up and when you are built up and encouraged. So I would like you, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to teach you what you need to do in order to grow spiritually. And the way we do, the way we're going to grow spiritually is by affirming each other's worth. Affirming each other's worth. Do you know there's a whole world out there that is looking for affirmation? There's a whole world out there that's looking for someone to say, you're of value. Here's a little secret if you haven't figured this out in life already. Everybody is looking for affirmation. And people will do almost anything to get it. Isn't that true? The, the the most popular television programs right now are what we call reality TV. You know what I'm talking about. Does everybody remember the first reality program that, called, that came out? I, this morning I said it was Survivor, but in fact I was thinking about it, and actually it's beauty pageants. It's true, isn't it? You got all these girls from all over North America. They come together. Uh, actually from America, and they come together and they find out who's the most beautiful and the smartest and give the best speech, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's a Miss Universe, everybody in the world gets together and find out who's, who's the most, uh, who's the best, most valuable, the most pretty, et cetera, et cetera. People, people love to watch that because they identify with it. It strikes a chord in their heart. Who's gonna be, who's gonna be affirmed? Who's gonna be told that they are more valuable, more pretty, smarter than everybody else? And so we've we got, we got a whole rash of TV programs like that. We've got Survivor, there's with, with The Bachelor, and I haven't seen any of these, by the way. I've never seen any of them. I've seen just snippets of them, but I've never seen them to completion. They've got uh, Big Brother, uh, and it goes on and on. What's happening, folks? People are looking for affirmation. It's a fundamental longing of every human being. That person sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you, is looking for affirmation. They're looking to be told that they have worth and value. And so here's the thing. Listen to me. When you and I affirm each other, when you and I affirm the people around us and and, and make it clear to the people around us that they have value, something incredible begins to happen in, in this world. What happens is, folks, you begin to show them God's kind of love. We begin to show people what Jesus was really all about. You know, people have got a really strange idea of who God is and what God's like. They think God is judgmental and condemning. And that's why some people say, I don't want to do with a judgmental, condemning God. That's not God. The God that I read about in my Bible is a loving, affirming Father who affirms our value and our worth. In fact, God said, you are so valuable, I'm going to send my son to die for you. And if you're the only one, If you were the only one, he still would have sent his son to die for you. Think about that for a minute, folks. That's how valuable you are to God. This idea that God is a judgmental, condemning God is absolutely false. The God I worship is a God of great love. And you and I, as Christians, are called to represent God to a broken and hurting world. So the question is this, how do I affirm people every day? Well, here's four ways for you to affirm people. First of all, I affirm a person's value or a person's worth with acceptance. Look what it says here in Romans 15:7. Can we read that together? It's really simple. Accept one hello? Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Now here's the thing, friends. If Christ accepted you the way you are, then your job and my job is to accept others the way they are. And you said, Pastor, you know, that you don't know this guy I work with. He is a jerk with a capital J, capital E, capital R, capital K. They're obnoxious. Think about it for a minute, folks. What were you like when you first came to Jesus? If Jesus could love you and embrace you and die on the cross to take away your sin, in spite of what you were like, then our job is to accept the people in our life because the fact of the matter is is that we're all the same in God's eyes, all equally in need of God's love, God's acceptance, God's forgiveness. Now, here's the thing, folks. Here's, here's our tendency. Here, our, t- our tendency is to uh, put other people down. Have you noticed that? That is sort of a default setting. We, we, we criticize people. We put them down. We make fun of them. Uh, it's sad. If we're having a bad day, we want to make sure everybody around us has a bad day, too. Isn't that right? If I've had a bad day, then you're going to have a bad day. I'm going to make your life miserable. Unfortunately, folks, sometimes Christians are like that. And then the world looks on people who don't know Jesus. They look at us who call ourselves Christians, and they say, and he calls himself a. Thank you. (laughs) It's true. And they call us hypocrites. And they say, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want any part of that that's what Christianity is. It's not real. Folks, listen to me. God wants you to be like Jesus. And that's why he put you in a family. That's why we want you to be in a small group. So that you can challenge each other to accept one another. And you can learn how to accept each other the way you are. The other thing we tend to do is we tend to project our strengths onto others. You know what I'm talking about? We compare ourselves. Like, some people who are always on time, they're, they're, they're never late for anything. You know, they just kind of show up early in church, sit in the back row, and watch the people who are coming in late. And you who are late, you know who you are. <laughs> they sit there and they go, mm, There's another one. <laughs> there's a, there they are again. They're late every week. <laughs> they're later than you. We're all worshiping, praising the Lord up here, and they're going, here they are, they're late again. They're not, just not singing. Why? Because they're judging, condemning, comparing. And the fact of the matter is, friends, God's called us to accept each other as we are. Now, some of you are uh, were afraid to have people into your home because you were afraid that people were going to judge your house or judge its tidiness. Have you ever seen people like this? Gloria is always afraid that people would come over and do that. I've never yet seen one person do that at our house. And those who are coming to our small group tonight, don't do it. <laughs> we do, we do, we don't. We compare. My house is far nicer than this. My house is far tidier than this. What is that, folks? That's not of Christ. Christ comes along and he accepts us as we are. Jesus doesn't say, Look, in order to become a Christian, you must lose 30 pounds dye your hair so you look younger, get a facelift, and and that'll accept you. Jesus doesn't do that. He accepts us as we are. And yet we live in a world that's constantly comparing, 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 and putting people down who don't measure up. I want you to know the family of God is a place where you're accepted as you are, just the way you are. Now, I want to tell you something. If you want to feel good about yourself, don't put people down because you'll, you'll never feel good about yourself that way. Here's what you need to do if you want to feel really, really good about yourself. You accept somebody. You be nice to somebody. Lift somebody up and find out what a thrill it is. See how your life will be changed because you were nice to somebody. Romans 14.10 says this, Why do you look down on another, on another Christian? Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally behind the judgment seat of God. That's what it says in Romans 14. Bible, you know what that verse means? It means God is the judge, not us. God is the one who puts himself in a position to judge. Now, if not even God is going to judge you and condemn you, then who are you to judge or condemn others? Now, i got a good news for you today. God never puts anybody down. God never accuses anyone. In fact, the Bible says that Satan is what? The accuser of the brethren. And when you go around accusing people, guess what happens? You become an agent of darkness. It's true. You become an agent of Satan. And Satan says, look at that guy. He calls himself a Christian. Man, he's in my camp doing my work, going around accusing people. Oh, God forbid that we would be like that god help us save us from letting anything come out of our mouth that doesn't build somebody up now listen to this your small group is all about learning how to accept people learning how to embrace each other i'm going to tell you first the first time we got together as a small group there's six of us A little bit uncomfortable because, I mean, we all know each other. We hug each other at church. But now we're in in our house, in our living room, sitting around, and we're going to be together for a couple hours. That's a little bit uncomfortable because we're not really used to each other. And the week after, we added another couple. And this week, we're adding another couple. And it's a little bit awkward at first because we don't know each other that well. But I want to tell you something. Your small group is a laboratory to learn how to accept and embrace and care for each other. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, Gloria and I have been so blessed and so excited about the small group that we're in, and I hope that you feel the same way. And if you are not, you're, you're feeling like, Ah, it's not that great yet. Hang in there. Don't give up. Learn to accept the people in, in your group, and watch your life be transformed. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, you know, I'd like to accept them, but they're very different from me. Well, listen to what the Bible says. First Corinthians 12, six, 6 says this. God works through different people in different ways. Now, how do you know, how can you tell whether you've accepted somebody as they are? Very simple. Here's the test. You stop insisting that they be just like you. What a boring world this would be if everybody was just like me and everybody said, Hey! I, don't want, I, don't, I want a world that's different. I want people around me, different people, different ideas, different perspectives, different gifts. Someone once said that people are not like clay to be molded by us, but they're like a gift that needs to be unwrapped. And that's what it is. You come together with six or eight people in your small group, and you unwrap that gift, and you find a rich, deep fellowship with people who are very different from you, with very different experiences and so we affirm each other's worth with acceptance according to the word of God the second thing is with attention look what it says in Galatians 6:10 can you read that with me let us be a choir here ready <laughs> thank you I'm losing my eyesight and I can't read the verse, so it's very helpful when you read it for me. Give attention, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Now I'm going to tell you something. What is a girl's best friend? Say it again. Well, <laughs> well you know, you're, you're, I mean, if you, if you listen to the media, you're right. De Beers, De Beers, the biggest, the greatest diamond merchants and sellers of all time, say that diamonds are a girl's best friend, and they've been saying that since the 1940s. But the Bible says, (laughs) the Bible says that a girl's best friend and a boy's best friend is focused attention. By the way, thanks for answering that the way I wanted you to answer it. That's good. Focused attention, that's what you need. It's not chocolates, it's not toys, it's not flowers it's not diamonds it's focused attention i'm going to tell you something giving focused attention takes far more time and far more energy than acceptance acceptance is the first stage the second stage is now focused attention you know what i'm talking about looking somebody in the eyes and listening to what they've got to say I try to do that when I talk to people. Sometimes it freaks them out. You know, they just start looking away because they're, they're just so uncomfortable. The pastor is looking me right in the eyes. I'm looking into your soul. <laughs> I see what's in there. <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> we're, we're so unused to it that we get comfortable, when people actually do that. But I want to—I want you to know some today. You can. You can accept, accept somebody, but you can still ignore them. Isn't that true? Yeah, I like you. I like you. Good to see you. Hey, Pete, come talk to George here. <laughs> we're called to not just accept people. We're called to, to show them some attention, look them in the eye. And here's a general principle, folks. Whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. Anybody do any gardening? You, I tried it once, oh, what a joke. A wonderful crop of weeds, <laughs> and they don't taste good at all. If you if you don't pay attention to your garden, you're going to be growing a mess. But you give it some attention. Just do a little bit of weeding, do a little bit of watering. Make sure that the rows are nice and puffed and nice and aerated so that air and water can get in there, whatever else it needs. I don't know. Amazing what happens! It begins to grow. And guess what? Same thing goes with your with your marriage. Whatever you give your attention to will grow. If you want to have a good marriage, then you need to give it some special attention. You want your you want to have a good relationship with your wife. She needs some special attention. I guys sing all the time. I don't know what my wife wants. I bring home food. I provide meet her needs, and all she does is complain and whine. I don't know what she wants. Ladies, what do you want? Moving right along. I'm going to get Manuel to help me preach my sermons from now on. <laughs> what do your kids want? Do you want more toys? No, what they want is your attention. They want—they need your attention. Do you know what uh, Galatians 6.10 says, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Why Why does it say give special attention to those who are in the family of believers? Why not just everybody? Well, I'll tell you why. Because when you belong to the family, you're in the place where God wants you to be. And God wants to make sure that his family is well taken care of. And that's one of the benefits of belonging to the family. Now, here's the thing. You can affirm people just by looking them in the eye. You can say, I value you just by listening to what they've got to say. I'm going to encourage you to do that after the service. You can't do it in here because it's too dark. But once you get out into that foyer, look somebody in the eye and watch them just squirm. It'll be hilarious. It, it it touches your heart like nothing else does when, when someone actually is listening to you and he cares about you. And, and who, who, can I ask you, who do you like to be around the most? It's the people who listen to you. People who care. I used to love going to my grandpa and grandma, grandpa and grandma Duncalf. As I'd go there, and I had two adults sitting there doing nothing all day and just waiting for some company. And I'd sit there, and I would just pour out my heart, and they would just listen To everything I have to say. And they thought I was the most brilliant kid in the whole world. And I love going to grandpa and grandma's place. Because they showed me some attention. Oh. You have no idea what a powerful, powerful thing that is. Show the people in your life some attention. And watch your relationship blossom. Watch it take off. Listen. Listen to what people have to say. listen to what what 's in people 's hearts. You know, one of the greatest hindrances to relationships is television and the internet? Do you know a survey was done and, and this is what they discovered that the average person spends five to six hours on TV and the internet. Do you know what that comes out to thirty hours a week that 's almost like a second full time job in, in fact. If you're working eight hours and you're on your computer and your TV for 30 hours, then you go to bed, you're not doing much of anything else. No wonder marriages are falling apart. No wonder families are falling apart. No wonder churches are falling apart. People just don't have time for one another anymore. And if you're spending that much time in front of your TV and your computer, man, you're spending almost a third of your year on things that don't matter. And Jesus said the most important thing in your life are relationships, your relationship to God and relationship to people. How can you do that, friends, on the TV and and on the Internet? A little boy, this was just sent to me. I just opened it up this morning. It was very, very moving. man came home from work late, tired, irritated. He found his five-year-old son waiting for him at the door. Daddy, may I ask you a question? Yeah, sure, what is it, replied the man. Daddy, how much do you make an hour? That's none of your business. Why do you ask such a thing? I just want to know, Dad. Please tell me how much do you make an hour? If you must know, I make $50 an hour. Oh, little boy replied with his head down. Daddy, may I please borrow $25? The father was furious. If the only reason you asked that uh, is so that you can borrow money to buy a silly toy or something... Then you just march yourself straight up to your room and go to bed. I don't want to even see your face. Think about why you're being so selfish. The man sat down started to get even anger about the little boy's question. How dare he ask such a question? Only to get money. So about an hour went by and the man calmed himself down and started to think maybe there was something he really didn't need to buy with that $25 and he really needed to ask the boy what it was all about. Knocked on the boy's room. Are you asleep, son? The man asked. No, Daddy, I'm awake, replied the boy. "I've I've been thinking, maybe I was too hard on you earlier. It's been a long day and I took out my aggravation on you. Here's the $25 you asked for. And the little boy sat straight up smiling. Oh, thank you, Daddy, he yelled. Then reaching under his pillow, he pulled out some crumpled up bills. And the man saw that the boy already had money. And he started to get angry again. the little boy slowly counted out his money and then looked up at his father. And said, "Why, well, why do you want more money if you already have some?" The father replied. And the boy said, "Because I didn't have enough, but now I do." The little boy replied, "Daddy, I have fifty dollars now. Can I buy an hour of your time? Please come home early tomorrow so I can have supper with you." Huh. I'll tell you, folks, more important than than giving your kids money or toys, more important than giving diamonds and Flowers and chocolates—it's just a bit of focused attention to say that you care. The third thing, my friends, if you're going to affirm a person's worth, is you need to show some affection. Look what it says in Romans twelve ten: Love one another with what? As members of one family. I'm talking about this is—we're talking about physical touch here. We're talking about about connecting. Has anybody heard of the syndrome called failure to thrive syndrome? If you've taken child, uh, child um, courses and take caring for children, you know that failure to thrive syndrome is what happens to little children who are not caressed, touched, loved, held. They stop developing. In some cases, they'll even die. Now, here's the thing. It's not just kids that fail, fail to thrive if they're not touched. It's adults as well. Everybody needs to be touched. The University of Los Angeles did a study and they discovered that to be a healthy, fulfilled, satisfied adult, you need eight to ten meaningful touches a day. Handshakes, hugs, pat on the back, a little squeeze. You know the guy hug? (laughs) Don't get too close. (laughs) Or the Hollywood hug? You know that one. You're kind of Looking around the room to see if there's anybody more important than the person you're hugging. Or the Greek hug. When I was in Greece, boy, that freaked me out when I met new Christian, Christian Greeks there. They would come up to you and they give you a kiss. Plant a good wet one on this side, on this one, and sometimes right on the mouth. And a big hug and God bless you. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> so uh, I'd actually like everybody to stand up right now. And would you do that? Just stand up. And would you just give somebody a hug? You can do the Greek, the Greek hug if you want, or the Hollywood hug. Or the guy hug. Alright, don't overdo it, folks. I got, I got a bit more to go through here. Alright, you may be seated. Now, I know some of you, listen here, you're you're thinking one of two things here this morning. You're either thinking, I'm never coming back to this church again. Or you're thinking, oh man, next week I'm gonna get a better seat. I'm gonna sit by someone who's cute. <laughs> but I won't, I won't be doing this every week, but I want, I want, I want you to, to, to understand something, folks. If showing affection for one another is very important. In fact, it says in one passage of scripture, and don't forget to give each other a holy kiss. Uh, everybody, st- no, don't stand up. <laughs> we need to, Experience that kind of affection, because that's what it means to be a Christian. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Folks, the way that you're going you're gonna to express your love for one another is not just by saying, I love you, but by showing it. A hug, pat on the back. Let people know that you care. You know, I have sometimes, I have sometimes have people say to me, you know what, when I first came to this church, when you had everybody shake hands and hugging each other, that's freaking me out. (laughs) What am I doing here? And after they started coming here for a while, they start to say, this is my favorite part of the service. I love that. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a hugger. I like, I just, I'm just who I am. I hug people. And sometimes I wonder as I'm hugging someone, how long does this hug have to do, have to, have to last this person? Listen, my friends, we're part of the family here. And this is a place where you are loved and cared for, where your worth is affirmed. You're precious. The fourth thing I want to point out too quickly is that we affirm a person's worth with appreciation. 1 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 12 says, Brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. you know what the word appreciation means, by the way? it means to raise in value. If anybody has bought a house in the past few years, you know that property has really appreciated in value. It's really gone up. And if anybody has bought a brand new car, you know it's really depreciated. It's not, the minute you drove it off a lot, man, It's you lost thousands, sucker. No, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You raise value by appreciating the people in your life. Now, guess what, friends? You will raise the value of your wife, your husband, your children, the people you work with, if you show appreciation to them, if you thank them for something that they've done for you, if you show them that they are special to you. One of the things we try to do with our kids is teach them to send out thank you cards every time that they're given something. Why is that? So that they can, they, they can express to that person who's kind to them how much they value that person. It's amazing, folks, what happens when you begin to appreciate the people in your life. You tell people that they're, they're very valuable to you. Brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you and lead you in the Lord and teach you. Some of us have got kids in Sunday school right now. I'm going to ask those who are parents with kids in Sunday school, after the service today, would you go to the teacher and say, I, I and some of us haven't done anything to say how much we appreciate that teacher, but you need to go and you need to say, you know what? I appreciate so much what you do for my kid week after week after week after week so that I can be in the service. You need to do that. You need to... Those who are are ushering, waiting on you, opening the doors and collecting the offering and and helping you with whatever you're giving you, say thank you to them. Say how much you appreciate. Those who are in the band, they come up, they're here early in the morning getting ready and they're here during the week practicing and it's a huge time commitment. Would you show appreciation to them? Just say thank you. And while you're at it, don't say, and by the way, you made mistakes on bar number 34. uh, don't, Don't do that. Just say thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Because I'm going to tell you something, these people that are up here, they're doing the best that they can with a great desire to serve God and to serve you. People in the cafe serving there, after everybody goes home, they're the last ones out of the building. Don't you think they'd like to go for lunch, but they're there to serve you. Show appreciation. Tell them how much you love them, how much you thankful you are. There's Scotty and Tim in that sound booth. They're early in the morning, every week, week after week, month after month, year after year. I want you at the end of the service to just go to them and smother them with love. <laughs> okay, just give them a hug or say thank you. I appreciate so much what you do week after week after week. And those of you who are in a host home for your small group, would you say thank you to that, the people who have their home open and who are feeding you, giving you coffee or tea every week. Say, I appreciate so much what you've done. Maybe give them a card. Buy them a car. (laughs) Not a new one because it'll depreciate. But do something nice for the the people in your life. Would you do that? Show them how much you care. I want to just say one more thing. I want to say how much I appreciate my church family today. You know what? Well, thank you, thank you, but that's not why I said it. But thank you very much. Thank you for that one clapping. Uh, hand. <laughs> stop! Stop! I paid her to do that. Um, listen to me. Listen. Here's here's where here's my payday. Here's here's the the, the greatest thing that can happen for me as a pastor. Is I praying and God drops in my heart the need to raise funds for broken, hurting people. And this time it was in the Philippines. And I'm thinking to myself, how can we raise enough money to get all these people off the street? And asking people to buy a $2 raffle ticket, it's not going to do the job. And I'm calculating this out and figuring out how can we do this? And I know the only way we can do it is by asking people to give a donation. $50 seems like a huge amount of money to pay for a banquet ticket. Listen, And I keep saying this, and people some people just don't get it. It's not the price of a meal. It's a donation to pay for people who don't have anything. I said, God, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to say we're charging $50 to come to this fundraiser. And it's a huge risk because some people could say, I'm not coming. In fact, I'm going to tell all my friends, don't go. and We'll protest and we'll show the pastor that he's wrong to do that. This is not sour grapes or anything, folks. I'm just telling you the risk. This is all going through my head. And I think, God, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to do what you want me to do, even though there might be some who don't like it or maybe even angry at me for it. And we do it. And people rally around. And this place is packed out. It's really thrilling. And we raised almost $32,000 getting these poor kids off the streets. These poor kids that don't have a welfare system. They don't have, there's nothing. There's no child and family service. There's nothing. There's an empty tomb for them to sleep in. In some cases, not even that. And I say, God, thank you for this church family that I belong to. What a family. You guys, I'm so proud of this church family. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud that I get to be the pastor and that I get to have you as my brothers and sisters and my partners in reaching out to the world. And the people that... I talked to I talked to a business. I told them the vision, what we wanted to accomplish. And they said, whatever, whatever your people will raise, we'll match it dollar for dollar. And those people were at the, at the banquet on Friday night they called me on their way home. They just opened the door and on their way home, they, they couldn't resist. They picked up the phone. They said, when's the next one? We should do one every, every three months. <laughs> we should do this. So you got that kind of money? We'll find it. And my heart's soaring. Folks, that's my payday. That's, that's how you express your appreciation is when you show up and say, Pastor, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice, we're going to partner with you and we're going to make a difference in this world because we believe that that's what God's called us to do. You know what? My job as your pastor is to not make things comfortable for you. My job as your pastor is to teach you and to train you and to lead you to walk by faith. That means to do things that you wouldn't normally do. It means that you're going to step out and do things that are not comfortable for you. That's why I've asked you to be in a small group. It may not be comfortable for you, but I know that my Bible tells me that that's what you need to do. And so I'm taking this risk and I'm hoping that people will show up and that people won't criticize Rick Warren or criticize the campaign. Listen, I know it's just a campaign, it's just a tool, and Rick Warren's not God. What I'm doing, my friends, is I'm trying to lead you in faith, to take steps of faith. Because the Bible says, "Listen to me." The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, when I stand before God, some He's going to say, "Did you lead them in faith to do things they wouldn't normally do? Did you call them to make the sacrifice to take those steps that they wouldn't normally take?" Listen, I don't want to be anybody's punching bag. I don't want to be the topic of conversation at your table at lunchtime. That pastor, who does he think he is? Well, I can't believe. And it happens. But man, my heart soars when I see people show up and say, we're going to take this step of faith. We don't feel comfortable with it, can't afford it, but I'm going to do it. We take that step of faith and God touches you and he changes you. He transforms you because you said, I'm going to do what the pastor, what the pastor feels led to do. I'm going to give $50 because the pastor leads me to. And lo and behold, you know what the Bible says? That they who give to the poor lend to the Lord and he will repay you. I'm telling you today, my friends, you take the steps of faith and you watch what God will do in your heart, in your life. And your life will take on a whole, whole new, new, new view. You'll begin to experience God in ways you've never experienced God before. You'll begin to see miracles take place in your life because you said, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm not happy with the status quo. I want to change. I want to move on. I want to take those steps of faith. I want to be a new man, a new woman in Christ. I want to be like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He laid down his life. He gave it all. What are you willing to do? That's where your satisfaction is going to come from. That's where your happiness. That's where your joy is going to come from. When you start living like Jesus. You start affirming the worth of those poor little kids in the Philippines who have nobody and watch them come to Christ and watch them begin to lead their, their, their friends to Jesus and watch them go into the, into the, into the slums and, and rescue those that they left behind. My friends, it sets off a chain reaction and it's powerful and it's mighty through God. It's what God wants for you and for me. person can have all kinds of Bible knowledge. You may have taken Bible courses. I don't care. You may have got your degree. I don't care. But here's the thing. If you're not putting into practice the purposes of God, then my friends, you're not, mat- you're not maturing. You're not growing. You're deluded. Because people who put Christianity into practice, they're the ones that begin to grow and begin to develop and become the people God wants them to be i want to show you a little blessing video this little video i want you to i want you to see yourself as as the as the little baby in that video being loved and cared for by god and by the family and i want you to to go into that into this world and i want you to to start loving people would you do that would you just go go hug people at work and say look at you know the pastor told me i got to do this or i can't go to the church anymore no don't do that <laughs> You go, my pastor asked me to do this. I want to just give you a hug. Watch. It'll just transform the world as people begin to know how valuable they are in the sight of God. And you, my friends, are the ones that God wants to use. Let's watch this little video. Blessing video. God made us to be loved. God made us to be cared for, embraced. God made us for relationship. And the way that you're going to grow and grow strong is when you grow strong together. You can't do it alone. You may be very uncomfortable with the idea of drawing close to people. But can I encourage you to do it anyway? If you're not in a small group yet, it's still not too late. Sign up. We'll help you find a place. But know this. It's where you're going to begin to grow. And the deepest longings of your heart are going to be satisfied. Just as that little baby is caressed and loved. So each and every one of us here today needs exactly that. So as you go here today, would you do that? In your small group? In your family? Your kids? Your wife? Your husband? Yeah, even the people you work with. Watch your world be radically, radically transformed. It'll be changed in ways you just couldn't imagine. Would you stand with me, please? Father... We thank you right now for the family of God. We thank you, God, that you love us so much, that uh, you give us instructions as to how to live in this world. And it's not alone. It's together. It's in community. God, help us, we pray, to get connected. Help us, we pray, to take that step that is very uncomfortable for some of us and open our hearts and be vulnerable, let people in. God, we thank you that you love us and you've given us everything we need to live a life that's fulfilled and abundant. Thank you for that, Lord. Let's sing together, shall we?